Good morning, brothers and sisters. Once again, welcome to church. Although we cannot meet on meet together, but we can at least meet online. Right? Today again is the once a month we share in Holy Communion. But due to this coronavirus outbreak, we cannot meet together. But again, once a month, we can still do the Holy Communion online. And if we cannot do it in person, at least we can do it in spirit together. It's especially difficult this time because a lot of us are being hampered in some way in either a career or study because of the coronavirus. So it's especially more important for us to understand our faith and how does it help us to overcome this period of difficulties. But uh, one important thing about the Shen Holy Communion is that we all know as Christians about the benefit of what Jesus has brought to us by dying on the cross for our sins, right? So because he sacrificed on the cross for us, we are all back into the family of God, right? I think that's a great, great privilege. The issue, why we are back in the family, there's not only that we are back in the family, but we are back as the children of God. That's the most important because we can be back in the family as a slave or as a helper or in any way. But for us, the privilege is that because Jesus died on the cross, to, as atonement for a sin, we are back in God's family as his children. Right? So I'm going to read a few passages to share with you. So if you are the Bible handy, please get the Bible ready and we can look at it together. The first one we'll talk about back as children of God is from the Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. I'll be reading from the NIV version of the Bible. Uh, we read here from 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's important. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If we belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So in a way, you can see the promise that we are being accepted back into God's family. All of us enjoy many privileges and rights only available to the children of God. Surely, if you look at different type of commentary or different type of your personal experience, we experience many of these rights and privileges as children of God. But today, I'm going to share three, three things I think are very important why we, why we, what we enjoy as children of God. The first one I'll talk about is that surely everyone will agree is that first thing we get at children God is eternal life through Jesus. Surely we all know the very well-known words from John 3.16, what we say that, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's very, everyone for us which know this word more or less by heart. Right? And the second one we talk about is second verse is from Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which read, For the wage of sin is, de is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, you know, we, can, we can see very clearly that because Jesus died for us, as children of God, we will enjoy eternal life. But what's second more important is that not only will we enjoy eternal life, but also we also enjoy heavenly inheritance as co-heir with Jesus. Why well, I say that, again, I read some passages to, to encourage all of us 
The first, the first reading is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. It reads, And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So it's a very important promise that we are not slaves or any other tech on relatives, but we are actually children of God and we can share in heirs as, as with Jesus. And the second passage, support this one, is from Romans chapter 8, verse 17, which reads, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So remember is that no, now we may face some type of setback temporarily, but remember we are promised by God that we will have the heavenly inheritance and share his glory together with Christ. Okay. And the third right and privilege for us, which I find more per pertinent this time, is the third one, is the right to always triumph over fears, defeats and evils. Right, that's most important because at the moment, a lot of us are facing difficulties, either in a personal life, in a career, or in studying. But what does God promise here? I'll read, again read two passages to you. One is from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. It reads, no, we no weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servant of the law. And this is the vindication from me, declares the law. So in a way that we know that nothing against us from the other side will triumph. We will have the ultimate victory. And the second one is the readings from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. What does it read here? It says, but thanks be to God, who always lead us as captives in Christ's triumph procession and use us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. So in a way that we are part of the triumph procession when the final victory comes. So in a way that, this, why do I say this thing? Because during this difficult time, remember that we're a child, children of God, we are co-heir, and also we have final victory. We will encourage everyone to come overcome any difficulty this time. Right? So I think keep in mind this female magnificent privilege among the many others which we encounter, we should always be thankful for God's grace and ask Him, the Holy Spirit, to strengthen and guide us during our difficult time. This is particularly important for us as Christians because God has set us apart from the rest of the world, right? So that we must live a life that other people who have not experienced the privileges as children of God can see a difference in us not only in us, but that it also will reflect God's glory and grace in our, in our, in our lives. So, but the next thing we always ask is that, okay, we talk about that. How can we achieve that then? Fundamentally, it comes down, it will depend on our relationship with God our Father. So really, how do we show this one? It's so really shown through the level of our faith in God's grace and his promises to us through Christ. But the issue now for us, the next question that ultimately come out is that, how do we know that, how do we measure our level of faith? So to do this, first and foremost, we must understand what faith, what does faith entail, right? So 
first, first of all, let's look at something. What's the definition of faith? According to the first thing we look at is that how does the secular world define faith, right? So I do a search on the dictionary, right? According to the Cambridge Advanced Learners Dictionary, faith is defined as great trust and confidence in something and someone. They talk about great, they don't know don't, not about total, okay, remember great. This, what does it really mean is that it really implicitly means developing an attitude on someone or something tangible after our own reasoning and assessment. So we must see something which can see, we experience, but also we need to go through our reasoning to say that whether the person or that thing is really dependable or not. So in a way, that that's what the difference. But for Christian, how do Christians define faith then? What's the difference? I think everyone, if we have known the Bible in some way, we know that one of the definitions seen quite often about faith is from Hebrew, chapter 11, verse 1, which reads, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Right? So for us Christians, faith means something quite different from the secular world. It really means abandon or trust in our own resources, our abilities and reasoning. That, what does that mean? Is that the things we can see. It, is, it means really entirely instead of what we cannot see. What's the, what we cannot see? That is God's promises, provision, and His concern for us. In this verse, in the Hebrew, what faith is especially actually in two, dimen- two directions. One thing is things towards future things, one direction. That is what we hope for. And the second one is faith is towards invisible things. That is what we do not see. So when we are certain that God is in control of this future and what we're going to see, that is faith according to Christians. So it's important. But again, developing such an inner attitude does not define faith completely. Why? For faith to be pleasant, action is required so that we are actually living as Christians according to what we believe in, right? Faith without action is around. So the whole thing, faith without action is like knowing of God, but not knowing God at all. So it's the most important. So the important thing now for us is that how do we action on our faith as Christians, right? Surely if you go to any... Christian bookshops, look at the shelves, or even go to the library, you can find some books talking about how to develop Christian faith. But again, all of them are written by different authors, different countries from different types of decades, but they all provide some type of useful, what you call insight, to help us to develop. But actually, I, I'm, more, I'm a very simple person. I usually very simple things. So I say that we can use two principles. One is the, what, called the 4G principle and 2L principle. Very simple, right? Simply, I think, first of all, is that we must adjust our thinking, right? So I will apply the 4G principle as a starter. What the 4G, I think a lot of you have heard about it before, is go, girl, glory, and God, right? In life, there's four things in your life, right? So in the whole thing, if we place God as a starting point, the other 3G will be put in the right order. If we flip-flop the order in any way, we will live a very miserable life at the end. 
So that's what we know. So the whole thing, to put the big G of God as the first priority, to, to develop the right thinking attitude, to allow God to be the controller of our life. I think it's most important. Okay. So the next step is that we have developed the right attitude. So how do we action become the right living? So the important thing, remember, we just talked about is that faith without action is death. So in the way that we need to do it. Again, if I go down to Quran or different of the bookshop, many, many books. But again, nowadays, we don't read books as often as we like to. So that's, that's from my experience in teaching for so many years. So the whole thing is, I'll say that from 4G, we need to get down to a very simple thing. It's 2L. Develop the two L's. And I, I suppose, again, for most of you, you read the Bible frequently or occasionally, we know what does a 2L, we may guess what the 2L's about. Right? I'll read the 2L actually, it's very simple. There are several type versions, but I will choose a version from Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And I'll read it for you here, okay? He said, uh, he answered, what, what people ask Jesus, what the commandments. Jesus said, he answered, love the Lord our God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And second one is love your neighbor as yourself. So the first one, and the first commandment and the second commandment. So when you really think about the first, com the first commandment, live your law, uh, the, uh, God with all your heart, all your soul, your strength and all your mind, it's very scientific, right? Why I say so? Because normally, when you first love, is that you love your heart. You see the person, you feel in love, right? It's very emotional. It might not last, right? There's, there's, there's reason why a lot of times when we talk about in Australia, there's so many divorces that you love the person for a short period of time, and then the love disappears because you're not no longer emotional, okay? And then you start to love them. So what you have to say, first of all, we love God with the, our heart, and then, with all your mind, in, in, uh, and then you start to analyze it. Is it true? If it's true, you go on. And the third one is, well, so, is that once you go for the second stage, you start to internalize it. It can become part of you, so it's part of your soul. And from there, without the internalization, you cannot love God with all your strength. So this is really very scientific and also stages. So in the way that we're happening. And also, if you cannot do the first four stages, you really cannot love your neighbor as yourself. So it's very important. So I'll, I'll talk about this one, is that all of us, we should use it as a target. But unfortunately, we might not be able to achieve it in our lifetime. Because God is working on us all for our life. So another passage to us that we'll say, that, oh, this is not possible. So what should we do then? So I'll read another passage from you to talk about how should we show our Christian love to people during the, as a Christian brother and sister is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It reads, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So this is especially important because if we cannot even love our Christian brothers and sisters, we really cannot love other people because Jesus wants us to not only love our neighbor, but also love our enemies, right? So the first step for us is to love our brothers and sisters deeply as much as possible. This is especially important because, remember, 
when Peter wrote about these words, the Christians were being persecuted and killed and fed to the lions and wild animals by the Roman Emperor Nero. So this time, we say that we especially need to show love and concern for others. The second verse, very more important, is that because love covers over a multitude of sins, different type of what you call translation or explanation. They say that because we love, we can overlook sins. But really, I think that it's more than overlook sins. It will reflect on what God's love for us on the cross. Because it's because of Jesus' love for us on the cross, all our sins are forgiven. So it's not only Jesus' love, not only cover multiple sins, but he cover all our sins. That's important. Without his covering all our sins there, we will not be wiped clean. We cannot start anew with God. So actually, this tie in very well with what we talk about is because today we are going to share in the Holy Communion. To share in the Holy Communion is to remember the love of Jesus Christ for us by sacrificing himself on the cross as atonement for our sins. So without his sacrifice on the cross, us our sins will not be covered at all. So as Christians, we will always be thankful that God's grace and love of us through Jesus Christ. So before we partake in the Holy Communion, let's have a short prayer and then I will start the Holy Communion and we can start to take the emblems together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you very much to show us that during difficult time, you are always in control. We thank you for all the privileges and rights that we have as children of God. We know that during this time, a lot of us, our career, our study, are in some way put in a hole of being disrupted differently, whether we suffer financially, emotionally, or other way. But Father, we know that we can leave all the burden to you. We also not only pray for ourselves, for everyone of us in this difficult time, but we also pray for our, all our extended family, no matter where they are, whether they're in Africa, in North America, in Europe, in Australia, or anywhere else, Father, we ask that they will all be covered by the blood of Jesus. We are protected emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically in every way. Thank you very much for your help. in us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we now we are going to share the Holy Communion. Again, I'll read a passage from the first Corinthians chapter 11, 23b to 9. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim of the Lord's death until it comes. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine himself before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So let us partake in the emblem together.
So, dear Lord, we thank you for the time to be able to share the Holy Communion to again remember your mercy and grace upon us. Allow us to be able to not only remember it, but also action on it and live a life that's worthy to be called children of God. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us to, to achieve that. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.